The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Good morning, Lifehouse! All right, you guys are ready to go. Hey, thank you, first of all, for taking time out of your holiday weekend to come here and be part of what's happening at Lifehouse Leitersburg Cinemas on this Sunday morning during the holidays. Um, And you know, uh, as I reflected uh, on holidays leading up to this message, uh, I thought about celebrating holidays and, and I basically came to the conclusion that I can sum up Uh, what it means to celebrate holidays with a paraphrase of the opening line of Charles Dickens' novel, A Tale of Two Cities. Celebrating holidays can be the best of times, and it can be the worst of times. You know what I'm talking about. There's that family that you can't wait to see. And then there's that family that you can't wait to see leave. (laughs) Some of you have the same family, don't you? Uh, And every once in a while, celebrating holidays goes absolutely epic. I have no other word for it. And this past Christmas went absolutely epic at at my wife's family. Okay, we were visiting them for Christmas, and all the cousins, aunts, uncles, all that stuff came to the house, and uh, everything just went epic. Uh, We were, it was normal, boring Christmas Day, not boring, but you, you, you know, it's just normal, same, same old, same old for Christmas Day and stuff, it, until we got to evening and all of a sudden a fight broke out. I'm not joking. <laughs> uh, my, uh, my wife's aunt and her son, uh, her uh, adult son got into a screaming match. I mean, screaming, hollering, yelling uh, obscenities at each other, name calling. I mean, just everything, just ugly as can be. And uh, I'm down in the basement with my daughter and uh, my sister-in-law and uh, we did the only thing we could do. Uh, we made jokes and laughed my, and, and tried to plan an escape strategy so we could get out of the house without anybody knowing. Um, and uh, it, you might think that Christmas was ruined, and it, it very well could have been and was about to be until my brother-in-law decided to put on his superhero cape and swoop in and save Christmas. He, he kicked his aunt out of the house, almost literally kicked her out of the house, um, and, uh, the, you know, and finally... Uh, Okay, I'm going to admit something here. In a really kind of twisted way, I've never enjoyed Christmas so much in my life. It was so much fun. Okay, I shouldn't have said that probably. Now you're wondering, what is wrong with this preacher? He actually found that funny? Uh, You had to. What's that? I'm normal. I, that's the first time anyone's ever told me that. And uh, that's kind of an insult to me there, Tom. So, you know, nah. <laughs> anyway, uh, listen, you know what can be in the craziness of holidays? Sometimes the roughest part of celebrating holidays is keeping your mind on why we celebrate the holiday in the first place. And, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you've ever had a Christmas like that, where you see more fireworks than we're gonna see tomorrow, uh, you, you can understand how hard it can be sometimes to keep your mind on the holiday and the meaning. Uh, and so as I reflected on this message, uh, preparing for it, I thought about what, what went into the 4th of July and why we celebrate it. And I, I, I thought about, uh, you know, it's the day that we celebrate our fight for freedom in America. And uh, here in America, it it's, doesn't take long to realize if you, you know, being in our culture, why we refer to it as 
Independence Day because Americans love their independence. We love independence. I love independence. I'm not lying. I do. Okay. Uh, if you don't believe me, just go down to uh, D.C. during rush hour and you're going to see the results of our love for independence. And what I mean by this is uh, you will sit for two hours in traffic in order to be able to drive your own car by yourself. People do it. Millions of people do it every day. Now, they could carpool. It only takes two people to be able to get in the HOV lane and pass everyone. And there is public transportation that you could take as well. And, and uh, But no, that, that doesn't work for us. We're Americans. We want our independence. We want to drive our own car whenever we want to, wherever we want to, even if I have to sit in a parking lot for two hours to do it. Because I'm independent. Yes. <laughs> you guys get this. All right. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't lose you on this. Um, but I have a feeling that our founding fathers, uh, the, the colonists, uh, they were not fighting for our right to drive our car whenever we wanted to. Okay. That was not what they had in mind. So what, what were they fighting for? What did they want? What exactly were they after? Well, I, I found a quote by, from a man named James Otis uh, that I think sums up the, uh, the angst and frustration that built up into the American Revolution. James Otis was a writer and a lawyer uh, back in Massachusetts in the, in the colonial days. And in 1761, he penned this phrase, taxation without representation is tyranny. And this phrase summed up why we had an American Revolution. Now, the colonists weren't anarchists. They weren't angry because somebody was taxing them, believe it or not. They were not angry because people, somebody was out there making laws and rules that they had to follow. They understood their need for laws. They understood the need for taxes. I don't, but they did. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, they, they understood all of that. So, so what were they angry about? They were angry because they felt trapped. They felt trapped in that they had no choice or say in who they were serving. Their lives were being dictated by a group of people who had never been to America, would never go to America. They, had, they, were, with, they were being dictated by people who didn't care about the colonists, their circumstances, or their well-being. They were under tyranny. And so what they were fighting for was not the freedom to do whatever they wanted whenever they wanted to. What they were fighting for was what we call liberty. Liberty is defined as this, the freedom from oppressive dictatorial government rule. Now, Patrick Henry, the first governor of Virginia, was quoted as saying, give me liberty or give me death, right? It was so important to be able to choose who you would serve that he would cry out, give me liberty or give me death. You see, having the freedom to simply decide who they would serve, they were willing to put their lives on the line for that. As a result to this day, we in America love our liberty and our freedom. Spiritually speaking, we've all been in the same boat. Spiritually speaking, we likewise found ourselves in a position where we were under tyranny. We were under the tyranny of our sins, under the tyranny of an enemy who hated us, who, who wants to destroy us under the tyranny uh, of lifestyle choices that we make, decisions we make, and just circumstances that we can't control. 
And that tyranny of sin, now sin is a word the Bible, that biblical authors use to describe decisions that we make that go against God's principles, God's laws, and God's direction and plan for our life. And so these decisions, when we make these decisions and, and we follow a lifestyle of sin, which we have all inevitably made those wrong decisions, we find ourselves trapped in sin's grasp. Sin snares us into a one-way pathway to an eternity of separation from God and a mandatory eternal death sentence in hell with no ability to change the outcome. It's as though we're driving down a highway with no U-turns and no off-ramps, and we have no ability to turn around and go back the other direction. But then Jesus, Jesus entered the picture. He saw our plight, and he entered this world, and he came to this world for one purpose. He came to this world to fight the revolution we could not fight for ourselves. He came to this world to give us the spiritual liberty that we were unable to earn on our own, that we were unable to find on our own, to set us free from the tyranny of sin. And so he came to this earth and lived a perfect, sinless life and served our penalty, your penalty, my penalty, of death, of eternal death and separation from God to bring us the liberty to choose, the freedom to choose who we would serve, the freedom we could not earn on our own. Without Jesus, spiritually speaking, give me liberty or give me death was a pointless statement because we only had one choice, death. But now that Jesus had come to the earth and was crucified in our place, and on the third day rose again from the dead, and as the Bible says, uh, won the victory, over the grave and over death and over sin. Now we have that choice as to who we will serve. We can accept his forgiveness and choose liberty and freedom versus the tyranny of our sins and the circumstances of this world. After the revolution, Americans finally had a choice in front of them and they chose to embrace liberty. Spiritually and far more importantly, this morning, we have a choice in front of us, and we can choose to embrace our liberty as well, spiritually. And that's today's big idea, to embrace liberty. Okay, so today we're going to take a look at uh, Luke chapter 19 in the scriptures, and we're going to turn our attention to a man uh, who was in desperate need of being freed from the tyranny of his own sins and the circumstances of this world. And this man's name is Zacchaeus. And we're gonna read a story about how Zacchaeus was in desperate need of freedom and liberty from, uh, from the tyranny of sin in his life. He needed to be set free to embrace liberty. And we're gonna pick up at the beginning of Luke chapter 19, reading verses one through four. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not, go, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Okay, so first off, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. In the culture at that time, what that meant is by definition, 
He had everything the world had to offer him. He had position, he had power, and he had wealth. He had everything. And yet, Zacchaeus still found himself imprisoned by the tyranny of sin, by the circumstances of his life. First off, the circumstances were he was short. And let me tell you, it's no fun being short in this world. I know from years of experience. Last, last week, Pastor Patrick, uh, he said, how would you finish this sentence? Life is short, blank. I turned to my family and said, life is short and so am I. Hey, that's, you know, so I get it. I understand. Some of you feel my pain this morning, okay? Well, Zacchaeus was much shorter than I. I mean, he was so short, he could not see through the crowd. He could not see anything that was going on, okay? So he had to actually, he ran down ahead. He had to climb a tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. You see, he was found himself uh, imprisoned and captured by the tyranny of sin to the point he was so desperate to get out. He was willing to climb the tree just to try and get a glimpse of a man who maybe, just maybe, had an answer for his circumstances of life. Also, you know, I said being a tax collector defined him as being wealthy and powerful, uh, but in that culture, being a tax collector also defined Zacchaeus as crooked, hated, disrespected. No one liked Zacchaeus. Here's why. This is how tax collecting worked in those days. Uh, Zacchaeus was Jewish, he was a native uh, of Israel, he was from there, and uh, the, the Romans ruled over Israel, and what they did is they, they, they didn't want to do the dirty work, so they picked one of them to be the tax collector, right? Uh, but here's why everybody hated him. Uh, they felt like he was a traitor, for starters, and here's why. Uh, here's how the taxes went. Rome goes to Zacchaeus and says, we need some tax money. So I'm gonna put it in, in modern day American terms. They might say, you need to go collect a tax of $10 per person. So Zacchaeus comes to your house, knocks on the door. You go to the door, you open the door and you go, oh crap, it's Zacchaeus. Why did I, I should have pretended I wasn't home. Um, you know, and here's why, because Zacchaeus then says, yes, I am here to collect your tax of $50 per person. Do you notice what I did? Rome requires $10 per person. I'm asking for 50. They knew that Zacchaeus was ripping them off. They knew that Zacchaeus was building his wealth by ripping them off. He was supposed to be one of them and he was a traitor. He was ripping them off. They got it, but they were powerless to do it. They couldn't refuse to pay because he would just throw them in jail. He had power, he would throw them in jail. And Rome was behind him because he would just say, look, they refuse to pay your taxes. And Rome would be like, well, yeah, then throw them in jail. So he had all the power, he had all the position. So, and so here Zacchaeus was, he was a hated man. He couldn't go to the temple to see Jesus because nobody would let him in. I mean, literally he was hated. He couldn't go to any social gathering or any social circumstances. So this was the only way he could even catch a glimpse of Jesus. Okay, so now we're gonna go look ahead and see because he was under the tyranny of sin, but then came his encounter with Jesus. Luke 19, verses five and six, we're gonna read on, verse five and six, it says this, when Jesus reached the spot, meaning the spot where Zacchaeus was up in the tree, he stopped, he looked up. I mean, so you gotta imagine Jesus crowd around him, he's walking down, and all of a sudden he just stops and he looks up the tree. 
And this is what he said. He, and he said to him, Zacchaeus. Remember, Jesus had never met Zacchaeus. But Jesus called him by name. He said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down in once and welcomed him gladly. I mean, just imagine how Zacchaeus must have felt. All of a sudden, here, the most hated man in town was going to get to spend his day with the most revered man in the city of Jericho, the most popular man in Jericho. All of a sudden, he was no longer the butt of every joke. He was no longer the target of all of the derision of the people. Jesus arrived. When Jesus entered Zacchaeus' life, his life changed immediately, and he was set free. Zacchaeus learned that day the first lesson in embracing liberty. We embrace liberty by living free, by living free. Okay, so first of all, living free does not mean we get to do whatever we want whenever we want to. It does not mean we get to call all the shots. Remember, the colonists were not anarchists. They understood there was a need for taxes. They understood there was a need for, uh, for laws and rules in this world. They, they were not looking for anarchy, for, for ultimate do whatever you want. Liberty is in, instead, it's about the absence of tyranny. Liberty is the freedom to choose who we will serve. I like how uh, the Apostle Paul puts it in the book of Romans chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 15 and 17 from Romans 6 uh, from the message version this morning. I think it captures it really well. And here's what Paul said uh, to the church in Rome. Uh, he said, so since we're out from under the old tyranny, does that mean we can live any old way we want? Since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? Hardly. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act. But offer yourselves to the ways of God and the freedom never quits. Let me put it in modern day terms in our society. I am free to go rob a bank this afternoon. Anybody else free to come with me? Actually, you all are. You all have the freedom to choose to come with me and rob a bank this afternoon. We are completely free to do that. Why don't we? Because first of all, I'm probably gonna be really bad at it. My, my name is not Jesse James, okay? I'm probably gonna be really bad at it. Um, and we're gonna get caught and it's going to be our last free act in America, at least for the next 10 to 20, right? I choose, I, even though I'm free to go rob a bank, I choose not to rob the bank because I know that it will put me under the tyranny of jail, right? And rightfully so, right? Uh, it, it's the reason we understand in America that yes, we are free, but there are some things we don't do because it will cost us that freedom. We choose not to do certain things, and instead we choose to use our freedom to create a better life for ourselves. And it's kind of like when you're driving too. What happens when the yellow light goes up? You step on the gas, right? Yeah. Oh, come on, the rest of you do too. Don't hand me that. 
It's not just Mike and I. All right, I know, the rest of you step on the gas too. And you know what, if I'm driving, if I see somebody floor it through a yellow light, I don't think twice about it. I'm right there with them. I'm like, man, I, I wish I had gotten there when it was yellow. But when somebody drives through a red light, our attitude changes drastically. We go from being like, ah, I'd have done the same thing to, what a jerk, what an idiot. And why? Because we understand that going through a red light puts their life, not only their life, but the lives of everybody around them at risk. You see, to remain free, we choose not to do certain things because we understand that there are consequences to those decisions. Spiritually speaking, living free is the same way. Living free means choosing to follow God's way and his directions so that we can remain free. It means listening to his words. You see, to become free, we have to accept his forgiveness for our sins. But to remain free, we must follow a biblical pattern of living in our lives. Here's the deal. Why does God in the Bible set forth a pattern of principles of how to conduct yourself sexually? It's not because he wants to control us or because he wants to kill off somebody's fun or because he wants to dictate how we live our life. God understands the horrible consequences to, to misconduct sexually. He understands that it brings a division in families, that it destroys families, that it destroys lives. He understands there are such things as diseases that, that take place. All the horrible things that come in this world from sexual misconduct. Why does God lay out those rules? It's not to control us. It's to keep us free. Free from the tyranny of our own wrong decisions. The same is true about God's teachings on, on things that, that can lead to addiction. Uh, because God understands the penalty, the captivity that happens from addictions. God's not looking to control you. God's not looking to just give you a list of do's and don'ts because it makes him feel good, makes him look powerful. He does it because he wants us to stay free. He wants to keep us free. And so if we want to embrace liberty, if we want to stay free, it means each and every day making a decision not to do the things that will tear our lives apart and to choose to do the things that will keep us free. Following God's word in our life every day is what will keep us living free. So, lesson one, embrace liberty by living free. Lesson two from Zacchaeus, embrace liberty by sharing your freedom. Have you ever felt like you didn't get the recognition you deserved for something? Like you didn't get credit, somebody else got the credit that should have been yours? A an award was given and the person that got it really didn't deserve it like you did? In 2016, we refer to these as our Steve Harvey moments. Uh, Steve Harvey was the one famously crowned the wrong Miss America. Miss Columbia knows what I'm talking about this morning, right? Because he crowned the wrong person. Sometimes we feel like somebody read the wrong name from the card. It should have been me getting that credit. It should have been me getting that award or that reward. Well, let me tell you, that day in Jericho, as Jesus walked down the street and saw Zacchaeus up in the tree, everybody thought Jesus was channeling his inner Steve Harvey. He had to have read the wrong name from the card. Zacchaeus was under last place. 
It should have been me he called out. It should have been me that got the honor of hosting Jesus. Zacchaeus, why would Jesus want to go spend time with a crook, with a sinner, with a jerk, with, 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 with a short person? Some of you still feel my pain. <laughs> he should be spending time with me. It's me that deserves the honor of hosting Jesus. That's what was going through all their names. Luke chapter 19, verse 7 records this when it says, All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. <laughs> Look at that. All the people. There isn't a single person in this crowd who thinks that Zacchaeus deserves Jesus' presence more than them. Everybody looks down on Zacchaeus, physically and, and emotionally and, and spiritually. They look down on this man. He is scum. Why would Jesus choose him? But they fail to realize that Jesus came to this earth. He was not interested in celebrating the freedom of those who were already free. He understood there was going to be an eternity in heaven to celebrate their freedom. His passion was to seek out that person who wasn't free, that person who was living under the tyranny of sin still. And his passion was to, to share freedom with the person who was chained up by their decisions, by the circumstances of life. What they failed to realize was that Jesus wasn't there for them. He was there for people like Zacchaeus. He knew they would have an eternity to celebrate their own freedom. But he was there that day to look up in that tree and find that one person who was worse than everybody else, who was chained up and captive more than anybody else. And Jesus had four words for the gripers. It isn't about you. There's a reason that we have church in a theater. You know, a lot of people, uh, last couple of years, Lifehouse merged with Lifehouse Bethel, and, and we have two locations. Our other location is in a uh, church building across town, and a lot of people thought, well, we got this big church building now. Are we going to stop meeting at the theater? And uh, the answer was a resounding no. Last year at this time, we signed a new 10-year lease, just so that you know. We're here for another nine years minimum, okay? So... Um, and here's where my passion comes for the theater. Why do I love being the campus pastor here? It's coffee and cup holders, of course. Okay, I admit that is part of it. I, I'm not going to lie, okay? But really, here's the deal. There are so many people out there whose lives are a mess, who've been either hurt by organized religion or are, uh, uh, have been so turned off by some of the actions of organized religion that the thought of going into a church building is just quite frankly something they won't consider. But a theater, maybe they will. Some of you know what I'm talking about because some of you felt that way before you came here for the first time. I know I did. <laughs> there was a time in my life I felt that way. Uh, someday I'll, I'll share more of that story. But uh, you know, here's the deal. It is our passion to provide a place where people can come no matter how they look, no matter how they talk, no matter how they act, no matter what mess they've made of their life, and that they can find that there is not only a God in heaven who loves them desperately, but there are people with flesh and blood on who also love them desperately and want desperately to help them be released from the tyranny of sin and the circumstances of life that have them down. And if you're here this morning, and 
and you're new here, you're a guest here, I want you to know that this is a church full of people who will love you and care about you no matter where you come from, no matter what you look like, no matter how you dress, no matter how you talk. None of that matters. And this is why even I go to the point where I, I, I give our hospitality workers and, and, and the, the freedom to uh, interrupt me if they want to introduce a guest to me. And so, for example, if I'm ever talking to you and, and you're somebody who's been here for a long time uh, and, and hospitality has a, a first-time guest or a second-time guest and they want to introduce them to me as the campus pastor and they see me talking to you and know that we've been, both been around a long time, uh, they're going to walk up to me and they're going to interrupt our conversation and I'm going to walk away from you. No offense, but I'm not here for you. I'm here for them. You and I can catch up later. I promise. I'll give you my cell phone number if you need to call me later. I'll give you, but if we've been around a while, we can put ourselves aside for a moment. It's not about us. It's about sharing our freedom. I promise you, I'm your pastor too. I, I want to catch, I'll catch up with you later. You can call me later. I can call you whatever you need. But, but in that moment, it's not about us. It's about offering freedom to other people. Jesus did not come to this earth to celebrate the freedom of those who were free. There's an eternity. You and I are going to celebrate for an eternity. The truth is, most of the time, we're out there talking about the New York Giants or something else more interesting like that, you know. Uh, so it can be interrupted, you know. But Jesus said, you and I, we're going to celebrate for eternity. But the captive, that's why Jesus came. And that's why we're here. That's why we show up on Sunday mornings. It's why your leaders show up. Our, our worship team gets here at some ridiculous time. They beat me here in the morning and they, they are here until one o'clock in the afternoon. They're crazy, they're insane. But it's because they love to share freedom with the captive. So we embrace liberty, number one. We embrace liberty by uh, uh, living free. Number two, we embrace liberty by sharing our freedom. And finally, we embrace liberty by going further. This year's theme for Lifehouse is further. And Zacchaeus, now Zacchaeus could have been satisfied with his newly found liberty and freedom. He could have even been satisfied with just sharing it as it was convenient. Maybe with those that were close to him, which by the way was no one because nobody liked him, um, but sharing it with those as it was convenient. But instead, we're gonna read that Zacchaeus chose to go further. Our final scripture this morning, Luke 19, verse eight through 10 says this, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus did not need to give away half his possessions. He was not expected or required to pay back four times as much as he might have cheated somebody from. But he was not satisfied with just enjoying his newfound liberty. That newfound liberty brought so much joy and excitement into his life that he embraced it for all it was worth. And he decided that he wanted to go further than what was expected or required of him in an effort to share that liberty with the world around him. And the point is this. We cannot be satisfied with doing just enough to get by. 
I want to embrace liberty, not just a little bit, but with everything I've got. Nathan Hale was an American soldier and spy during the revolutionary times who was captured. And in his final words, before being executed by the enemy as a spy, Nathan Hale was quoted as saying, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. Nathan Hale was willing to give his life and his only regret was he couldn't go even further. And yet all Nathan Hale was fighting for was earthly freedom. I would give up my earthly freedom in a moment to hang on to my spiritual freedom for all of eternity. We have something greater than earthly freedom that we're fighting for, and it is the eternal and spiritual freedom, not just of ourselves, but of our friends, our family, our coworkers, our neighbors, our classmates, who are in desperate need of knowing that they can find freedom from the tyranny of sin and the circumstances of this world in their life. What is God calling you to do? What might he encourage you to do to go further than what is expected or required? I'm gonna ask you to stand with me this morning. And I want you to imagine for a moment, what if every one of us decided to go further? What if every one of us decided that we weren't gonna just enjoy our own freedom, but that we're gonna go the extra mile to bring joy to the brokenhearted, to bring freedom to the captive, to bring food to the hungry, to bring hope to the devastated, and love to those who are desperate, depressed, and hurting. Imagine for a moment the difference we can make in this Hagerstown area if you and I would all decide we're not gonna just stop at what's required, but we're gonna go further. We're gonna take this further than we've ever gone before. We're gonna sing out this song. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.